Welcome to Central Baptist Church's Sermon Podcast. This program features the preaching and teaching of Corey Ramirez, the pastor of Central Baptist Church of Little Rock, Arkansas. In God's Word, you will find the encouragement needed for today. And now, here is Pastor Ramirez. Faith to do what's right. Joshua chapter 2. Now I'm going to tell you right up front, the key to this passage is found in verse 11. Is where the key to this passage is. And let's go back and look at that. Chapter 2 of Joshua. And notice what we find Rahab saying here in verse 11. It says, And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. And then notice what she says here. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above, above and all earth beneath. Think about that. That's the key here to this passage, and I believe the key to this message. The reason Rahab was able to do what was right is because she believed God could do what was right. She believed God was powerful, that God was mighty, that God was above all. And because she had faith in God, that strengthened her faith as she went forward. So this morning, (coughs) let's get started here. We're going to talk about faith to do what's right. Joshua chapter 2, verse 11. I have four thoughts I want to give to you, and I want to start first here. She had faith to do what was right, even though it was not popular. Okay, it was not popular. Uh, The city here of Jericho was prepared to fight. The Bible tells us, uh, we know in this passage, that they were were ready. They had went inside. They were ready for a fight. The king here uh, wasn't looking to surrender. He wasn't looking to make peace. He was looking to take a stand. Uh, Keep in mind, the Israelites had just come out of Egypt went into the wilderness for 40 years, they probably were not seen as a threat to anybody. Uh, They were not considered a a great group of warriors that had won many battles. Now, they had crossed the sea, as we'll see in a minute, and they had won a few battles. But this king wasn't impressed yet, and he was ready to take a stand. And it appears that everyone else within the city agreed with him, or at least was willing to take this stand and not go change sides and go for God, but was willing to go against God. Except for Rahab. Except for Rahab. The Bible tells us here that she was willing to not only hide and protect these men, but the Bible says she was willing, as we we look further in this passage, she was willing to risk her life in doing so. To do what was right. So the city was prepared to fight against God and his people, but Rahab was ready to follow God. I don't think she was concerned with what others thought. She couldn't have been if she's willing to do this. She wasn't concerned with what others thought. Uh, We find that she believed God, so she was willing or ready to do what was right. It was her faith in God that enabled her to do this. Now, that's the type of faith that's needed today, folks. That's the type of faith that's needed today. It's the type of faith that I need. It's the type of faith that you need. We need faith to do what is right because we're going to run into situations where people want us to do what's wrong or they're going to try to encourage us to do what's wrong. Let me give you a few thoughts on this. There might be a time in your life when you're the only one that'll do right. Maybe at work. You're the only one that's going to say, hey, we can't do this, guys. We can't do this, ladies. We've we got to do what's right. We've got to be honest in the way we do things. We can't be deceptive. We've got to do what's right. Even though it might make us less money, it might get us less business, we still have to do what's right. We've got to be straightforward, and we've got to honor God, or at least do what's right. So you might be the only one that takes that stand. But you're going to have to do it if you're going to go forward by faith. You've got to trust in God. You may be the only one that takes a stand for your family. It's important to have strong families for God. 
You know, the world today is trying to infiltrate your home. I can tell you that right now. They're trying to get in your home. The devil's doing his best to teach your children to lead your family or lead your home in the way he wants it to go. Well, you're going to have to do what's right. Even if it's not popular. Even if it's not what everyone else is doing. You're going to have to do what's right for you and your family. And that can be difficult, those decisions. Because it may affect your relationship, your friends, other people. But you're still going to have to do what's right. Because that's what God wants us to do. Uh, How about a church? Our church has to maintain what's right. We can't go into the world and do the things of the world. Now, it might be easy to do that at times. Tempting. But we've got to follow what God says. We've got to do what's right. You see, Rahab did what was right, I believe, because she had faith in God. Now, it wasn't the popular thing to do, but it was the right thing to do. Another thought here is God's people have often been in the minority. God's people have often been the minority. You look through the Bible, you'll find that. David was a minority when it came to face Goliath. He was the only one willing to, to go forward. Joseph was a minority and got thrown in a pit for it. You see, God's people have often been in the minority, but that's okay because God was with them. And this morning, if you're in the minority, you find yourself the only one taking a stand, but you know it's what God would want you to do, then you take that stand. And you trust God to take care of you. You see, don't follow the crowd just to follow the crowd. Follow God. Make sure the crowd's going the right way. Now, if the crowd's following God, that's fine. Go with the crowd. But if they're not following God, you make sure you're walking with the Lord. Just like Rahab did. She, she was willing to do this. Here's another thought I have for you. She did this, even though, I'll put it this way, it wasn't prosperous. It wasn't prosperous. Let's look here and find out what she did. The Bible tells us here, we'll go back, Joshua chapter 2. It says here in verse 3, And the kings of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered in thine house, for they be come to search out all the country. So first off, she received them into her house. She knew who they were, received them into her house, and instead of turning them over, she hid them. Notice the Bible tells us here, uh, it goes on down here into verse 6. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order upon the roof. Okay, what she did, let me just give you a thought here. We're trying to talk prosperity. I'll talk worldly perspective for a minute, okay? Worldly perspective. What she did, there was really nothing to gain. She had nothing to gain for this, as far as the world was concerned. Now, I know that Lord blessed her, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but as far as the world was concerned, she had nothing to gain by this. But she did have much to lose. Her life. Had she been caught, and that's the whole situation here, they're trying to find out where these men were. Had she been caught hiding these men, chances are she probably would have lost her life. Nothing else, she would have been imprisoned. And her family probably also would have been in trouble as well. So she had much to lose here. Very little to gain, if anything at all. So why would Rahab do this? Have you ever thought about it? Why would she do this? Why would she risk her own life and the lives of those in her household and maybe of her friends? I think it goes back to verse 11. We'll read it again. Notice what she said. Because of you, for the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Think about that for a moment. Now, she says here, she tells these men, your God, your God is different than the gods I've been serving. Your God is the God above. He's above heaven and he's above all this earth. You see, her heart had been changed towards God is what had happened. And when you're looking to God and your heart's been changed toward God, you're going to be willing to do what God asks you to do. And that's what we find here. It was not what we call prosperous, 
But it was the right thing to do. And her faith in God enabled her to do this. Her faith in God enabled her to look beyond what I would call worldly riches, worldly honors perhaps, and do what God would ask of her to do. Now let's just consider that for a moment. Because there's a lot here that we can think on. Rahab looks to God now and says, He's the one God. He's the supreme God. Uh, let's turn over to the book of 1 Timothy. I want to read a passage here. If you're taking notes, I'm going to read chapter 6 and verse 15. 1 Timothy chapter 6. And it says here in verse 15, as far as... Let me get over to my passage here. Or verse 11. But thou, he says, O man of God... Flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Notice verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold to, on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Verse 13. I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show who is a blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Isn't that something? Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. You know, the Bible tells us that there's only one God. There's only one Christ. There's not many gods. There's one. And I think Rahab came to that understanding. She realized that the God of heaven, the God of Israel, the, the, the Lord Jehovah, is the one and only God. And so she set her heart on God. And she began to look to God. And when you look to God, you're going to begin to live for God. And that's what we find here. You know that challenge that Paul gave Timothy there was to look to God, basically. To, to set his affections on the Lord. The one and only. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. So right now, that's what I want to encourage each of you to do. To set your heart on God. To set your affections on the Lord. And you think about that. So let's start with salvation. You know why people are not saved? It's because they got their heart on something else. Or someone else. Maybe they got their heart set on the treasures of the world. So they don't want to forsake those things. That's what they're living for. Maybe their heart is set on something in religion. Maybe they got their affection towards that. And what happens is that prevents them from seeking God. You know, salvation is simple when you think about it. It is so simple. So simple, a child can be saved. It's understanding you're a sinner. Understanding you need a Savior. Repenting. Turning to God. Receiving Him as your Savior. Repent and believe. That's all it is. It's not about how much you can make, how much you can do. It's what God has already done. Finished. Believing in His work. But what happens is some have their heart set on something else. And so they don't... Put their heart on God. So start there. Make sure you're saved. Make sure you have accepted Christ as your Savior. And then afterwards, let's make sure we put our affections on God. Let's look to God. Because when you look to God, you're going to live for Him. When you look to the world, it's easy to live for the world. You see, it's all on what we have set our affections on. Even Christians, by the way, can do this. We can make the mistake of putting our heart on things of the world. Uh, We get busy. By the way, there's a lot of distractions in this world. Is there not a whole lot of distractions? There are a lot of things to put our heart on. And and some of those things may not be what we would call sinful. But if you put your heart on them, then they can, it turns into a sinful action. Let me just give you an example. I don't know if anybody here likes golf. I like golf. I'm not good at it. 
I can hit a ball and usually have a nice walk, but I walk all over the place trying to find it most of the time. But for those who enjoy golf or playing golf, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with it. But if that's what you did all the time, every day, now unless you're part of the PGA Tour and that's your job, that might be different. But if that's all you did and you did that to the neglect of your relationship with God and to the neglect of your responsibilities, then that's a problem. See, that's where the problem comes in. Your heart's been set on that. Now, you can do that with all sorts of things in this world. There are all sorts of things. You know, we each have different interests. We all have different hobbies, so to speak, or different things we might enjoy doing. We just must make sure there's a balance there, that we understand that we can't put our heart on those things. We, we might be able to enjoy them if God's blessed us, but we put our heart on God, and we seek Him, and we follow after Him. That's what we find here with Rahab. I think she put her heart on God. It wasn't on prosperity in this world. She wasn't trying to get ahead, so to speak, or trying to get an advantage. She was trying to please God. So here's what I want to encourage you with. Do what's right, even if it's not prosperous in this world. Do what's right, even if it's not prosperous. And, and here's some thoughts here on this. It may not be prosperous to give to someone in need. You ever thought about that? The Bible tells us we're to help. If we're able to, help the poor. Help someone in need. Bear someone's burdens. You know, that may not be prosperous for you to help someone out. Spending your time, maybe, or your money. But if it's what God wants you to do, then we should do it with a cheerful heart. Help somebody if we're, if we're able to. And God has blessed us. Uh, how about this? It may not be prosperous for you to take time with your family. That's why some don't spend time with their family, because they'd rather make money. But folks, it's important to spend time with family. It's important to spend time with, with friends. It's, it's important. And that's... When you say, you know what, I may not get the prosperity of the world out of this, but I'm going to do what's right before God. Uh, Here's another one. It's important to be in church. Thank the Lord you're here this morning. But it's important to get involved in a church and serve the Lord. And it may not be prosperous as far as, oh yeah, you could be doing some other things this morning and making some money in the world and doing other things as far as the world is concerned. But you know what, you're going to be blessed spiritually by being here. You'll be blessed spiritually when you get involved in serving the Lord. So here's the thought. If you look to God and you love Him, you're going to be blessed. Rahab was blessed eventually. If you look to the things of the world, you may gain them, but you're going to lose them eventually. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 2, all those things, they're not lasting. We're going to leave them behind. So let's live for the things of God. Let's look to the Lord and seek Him. So that's number two. Here's the third one. It was not practical. What she did was not practical. But that's why there's faith involved. Let's go to Joshua chapter 2. And we find here that she hid them. It says here in verse 6, But she had brought them up to the roof of the house, hid them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order upon the roof. Uh, it says, And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan under the fords, and as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, uh, they shut the gate. Now let's go on down in our passage a little bit here. We find in verses 12 and verses 13, uh, she here shares her situation. And verse 14, it says, And the men answered her, Our life for yours, if ye you utter not this, our business. And it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. And then she let them down by a cord through the window, for her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. And she said unto them, Get you to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you, and hide yourselves there three days until the pursuers be returned. And afterward, she says, May ye go your way. And the men said unto her, We will be blameless of this thine oath which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window, which thou didst let us down by, and thou shalt bring thy father, thy mother, thy brethren, and all thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house, 
into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and we will be guiltless. Whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on our head, if any hand be upon him. Now I'm going to stop there. Notice what we find here. We find her first hiding them, protecting them, then helping them get away, and then they tell her how to be safe. And basically, the thought here is they didn't say go load up with as many weapons as you can. By the way, I'm not against getting weapons for self-defense, but they didn't say go load up with ammunition. All they told her to do is when we arrive, just make sure you have this, this same cord, the same scarlet cord hanging out this window. And we'll know. And we'll take care of it. Now, I'm skeptical at times. Okay, I'll just be the first to tell you. That doesn't sound like much of a plan to me, really, to be honest with you. I mean, uh, she didn't seem to be affected by it. But I, I've often wondered if she thought, is that it? That's all i got to do? Well, that was it. And when you think about it, it wasn't very practical at all. Here, here's a few thoughts on, on this. It didn't really make sense for her to do what she did. First off, she hid two men that she didn't know that were... She knew who they came from. She knew that they belonged to God as far as the nation, but she didn't know them personally, and she hid these men. And that really, when you think about it, didn't make a lot of sense, seeing that she's inside this wall, inside this, I guess, a city that was protected with this king, and here she's hiding these men. And then they tell her to hang this scarlet cord from the window when we arrive and everything's going to be okay. You know, actually, it made more sense for her to turn them in, when you think about it, practically. It made more her sense for her to say, hey, you know, here they are. She probably had been rewarded and everyone would say, hey, that's good. And, and then even if she didn't turn them in, it made more sense later for her to say, well, I, I think I'll just trust these walls to protect me. I don't, I don't know about hanging this scarlet cord out the window. So why did she do this? It goes back to verse 11. She believed in God. And this is the direction that she was given. And so she was going to follow. You see, God's power was real to her now. And when God's power becomes real to you, your faith will be strengthened. And you'll have faith to do what is right. You know, uh, if you ever go through trials or difficulties, we all have them. But when you go through your trials or your troubles or your difficulties, and God answers your prayers and God blesses you, you know what you do with those? You hold on to those. You hold on to those. Now, I believe doctrines and teachings come from the Bible, without a doubt. But I believe encouragement comes from experiences. And when God blesses you in an experience, God gets you through a trial or trouble, God answers your prayers in one way or another, you hold on to that. Because when you go through another one, you say, you know, my God's good. He's already taken care of me through this. He's already taken care of us through these trials and these troubles. He's not going to let us fall or falter. He's going to take care of us again. And that's what we find here. She's going to trust God. And it kind of goes back, even though she didn't see it, she knew that they had crossed the Red Sea. She knew God had protected them through that. She made comment that God had protected them already against two powerful kings. So she knew God was great. And she was going to trust in God and not in herself. That, that was kind of the thought here. And so she went against that, which was what we'd call practical thinking, to do what God would want her to do. Now this morning, let me challenge you with this. We're not talking foolishness. Okay? We're not to tempt the Lord. That's, that's foolishness. Even Christ, that was one of the temptations. You know, the devil took him up. I pinnacle of the temple, tempted him to jump off, saying, You're the Son of God. God will, you know, protect you. And what did Christ answer? Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. We're not to tempt God. We're to trust God. She wasn't tempting God. She was trusting God here. And as you go forward, you need to trust God. And there are going to be times, there are going to be times when you're going to have to choose to follow God, even though it seems impractical. 
where it may not seem to be make any sense that God would lead me this way? Why is God having us do this? Why is God shutting these doors or, or opening these doors here? But you're going to have to trust in the Lord to do what's right. Let me give you a few thoughts. It wasn't practical for David to face Goliath. You ever think about that? Especially without any armor. But he was going to do it because he trusted God to provide. It wasn't practical for Peter to walk on the water, was it? But he did because he had faith in God. You see, we trust God. We go forward and we trust Him to take care of those things. Having a home for God in a world of sin. There are going to be times that, man, it's not practical. Uh, It's going to be hard to do this. Well, yeah, it is. But you do what's right, trusting God. Even though it may not be practical, the decisions you have to make... How about being honest at work? I've heard this before too, and maybe you've been tempted with this, or you know some examples. I've heard people say, well, you know, it's just the way it is. We've got to go with it. It's just the way it is. Well, maybe the way it is, but if it's not right, you've got to do what's right. Even if it's not what the others would say, well, that's not practical. Well, it's the right thing to do. You see, as you go forward, you're going to have to choose To go forward, trusting God. You know, when everything around you screams, no, it can't be done. But if God is saying, yes, you have to, then you go forward with going with God. You let everyone else say it's not practical, but you trust in the Lord and go forward. And that's what we're talking about here. Faith to do what is right. Faith to do what's right. And we're living in a world of sin. And a lot of people, or a lot of things, are going to try to pull you into doing what's wrong. So you've got to have that faith to do what's right. Here's my last thought for you this morning. I'll put it this way. It was not promising. It was not promising. And I'm talking a worldly perspective here. Okay? It was not promising. Let's get a picture of this. We have a city with walls. Large walls. I believe two sets of walls. That city was there for a reason. It hadn't been conquered or defeated for many years. And here you have this woman inside this city who's helping out these men. And, and these men say, you know, God sent us this direction he's given us the land and here we come and she says okay i'm going to protect you i'm going to help you and i'm going to do this because i believe in god but when you think about the big picture there wasn't a whole lot of promise here oh uh, yeah they told her that we're going to have victory but there was nothing that i would call substantial some there's nothing that she could really hold on to to say yeah th- this is it I, I struggle with this too sometimes you know that's that's where faith has to kick in when we know god is going to work we just don't know how when we know God's going to bless, we just don't know when. That's when faith kicks in. That's when we just trust God. And that's where we find Rahab. Now this gives what I think to... This explains something. Okay? First it explains her what I'll call questionable methods. Do you notice that when we read the passage there? She lied. Oh, she, she, she told lies. Now, I remember growing up, you hear people say, well, that's a white lie. Uh, you know, the Bible doesn't tell white lies or different color lies. It says a lie is a lie. Sin is sin. And that's what she did here. She lied. She lied on a couple occasions. One, she deceived him saying they weren't there. And then she deceived him saying going out here, that's where they went. So she lied. You know what we find? I think we find a lack of faith here. She struggled with faith. And she began to manipulate or tried to manipulate the situation instead of trusting the Lord to provide. You know, that's so easy to do. It is so easy to do. It's so easy to, to know that i got to trust God, but guess what? I'm going to try to manipulate and do this to make it work out. You see, the temptation is there to help God. When God doesn't need any help, we've got to trust the Lord. Now, I'm not talking about 
doing what you can. We should be active. I'm talking about trusting God in areas where you can't work things out. Here's a question for you. Do you think God would have protected those men without her lies? I do. Of course he would have. Those men are fine. They were his. He was going to take care of them. She didn't need to do that. But she had a momentary lack of faith. She was real is what she was. She was a human being. And she made a mistake here. And this reminds us of of something. First, any one of us is capable of sin. You know, the more we remember that and understand that, the more I think we'll draw closer to God. When we understand that if I don't walk with God, I can do some foolish stuff. If I don't walk with God, I can make some mistakes. If I'm not close to God, then I can have a lack of faith and I can struggle. So we've got to draw close to God. And then here's the other one. All of us can be overcome by fear at times. Uh, You know, fear is real. Fear can come into our heart for different reasons. And that fear can affect us. That's what happened here. I think she had some fear. She was afraid. And instead of just trusting God, she tried to help out. But you know what? In the end, here's what it comes down to. In the end, it was her faith. It was her faith that overcame this unpromising situation. That's what it comes down to. It was her faith. She held on to God. She held on to the Lord. You know, uh, Hebrews chapter 11 talks about her. And it was her words that were, were honored. Receiving those men is why she had faith. And God blessed her. You know, Rahab, when you think about it, she knew very little of God. Very little of God. But what she knew, she trusted. And that's what I want to kind of wrap it up with here this morning. Have you ever thought about the fact she probably had no scriptures to read? I thank the Lord every day for His Bible. I thank the Lord every day for the Word of God that we can read and we can study. You have questions on on living. I mean, you have so many resources right here, spiritual resources. She didn't have that. Also, uh, I doubt she had any prophets there. The Bible doesn't tell there are any prophets, any priests teaching her. She didn't have the scriptures. She didn't have prophets. She didn't have priests or teachers to listen to. She had very little. But what she had, she put her faith in. And that's a challenge for us here this morning. You see, you don't have to be, first off, you don't have to be a Bible scholar to be saved. Usually it's the opposite, by the way. You see, you don't have to know all what the Bible teaches to put your faith in Christ. You've got to know you're a sinner. You've got to know you need a Savior. And you've got to know that Christ died for your sin. And then you repent and believe. You know, afterwards, as we grow in Christ, here's another thought, too. You don't have to, to know everything about the Bible to serve God. Now, I don't want to discourage you from reading the Bible, obviously. Obviously, we want more. But what you know, you should act upon. That's the thought here. What you know, you act upon. So if you know, hey, i got to do this, then you do it. Or, no, I shouldn't be doing this, then you don't do it. You see, God will bless your efforts. You see, what amounts to it, it's not the knowledge that God blesses, it's Faith in Him. It's His power. It's God who blesses. It's God who provides the victory. You see, Rahab had faith to do what was right. Rahab had faith to do what was right because she believed in God. She trusted God. It goes back to verse 11. Let's go back to verse 11. And I'm going to give you some final thoughts on this. She says here, And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you, for the Lord your God. He is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Notice a few things. First, she heard. She heard. She said, when we heard of these things, our hearts did melt. 
See, before anyone can put their faith in God, they got to know about God. So she heard about God. Tell others about God. Let them hear about the Lord. Be a witness of Christ. And then after she heard, notice she says here, after she heard, she believed. It says here, neither did there any man courage in man because of you for the Lord your God. She says, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. All of a sudden that knowledge takes root in her heart. He is God of heaven. He is God above. She's not putting him on par with her God. She said he is God. And that's what kicked off her faith. Folks, she had faith in the Lord. She trusted God. Uh, Let me close an illustration. You know, the late Hudson Taylor, missionary in China for many years, before he went, he was uh, preparing in England. And as he prepared, he was studying uh, medical school. He also did uh, helping out with those that were in neighborhoods of, of homeless people and those that were not doing well as far as financially and poor. And uh, he used to always go down and encourage him and he'd help out. And the story told, he told the story of how there was a day he had some money. He had, he had basically enough money to get by to go pick out some food for the next day. He had food for that night. He had breakfast the next day at his home. And he had enough money to go out. He was planning to go out after the evening service, pick up some food for the next evening so that he could have dinner. Well, anyway, after the service, there was a, a man waiting for him. said, uh, will you please come? My wife is in terrible condition. She needs prayer. Uh, we need some help. Well, Hudson Taylor told the story. He said, first, he goes, I asked, well, he goes, the man was Irish. He goes, and I knew he was a Catholic. He said, why didn't you call him the priest? He goes, just out of curiosity. He said, the man said, well, the priest charges, and we don't have enough money to pay. So Hudson Taylor said, okay, I'll go. Well, along the way, Hudson Taylor, he said, I began to think, well, I don't got any money either, except for the coin that's in my pocket, that that's all I got left. And he said, he got to the house, he went inside, his heart broke because the kids were starving. The mom was sick. And he said, he he sat there and he, he began to encourage them. And he said, let's pray. And he said, as he began to pray that God would meet their needs, he said, the first thing that kept coming up in his heart was, you hypocrite, you hypocrite. You have this money in your pocket to help this family out, and you're not giving it to them. Anyway, it's an interesting account. He said he went on for several minutes trying to hold on to that coin. And the whole time, God working in his heart to give it to him. And then he began to tell him about how, just trust God, he'll provide. And he said, and that's what just broke his heart. He said, I'm not even trusting God myself. So what he did is he shared with that man. He said, this is the last that I have. He said, I believe God's going to provide, but I believe God's given this to me to provide for you. And he gave it. He went back home. said he prayed to God that night that God would provide his needs. And in his own words, he said, Lord, would you please be quick about it? He goes, because I don't have anything to eat tomorrow night. And so he prayed. And then he ate and went to bed. He got up the next morning. He said he was eating his breakfast, got a knock on the door. and went and got it. It was the postman. Now he said it was Monday morning, so he said he he knew it wasn't from any of his family or friends because they would never write on the weekends. So he opened up, got the letter. The name was smudged. He couldn't read it. Had no idea who sent it. Opened it up. There was a piece of paper, and inside was four times the amount of what he had given up. He said he just thanked God that day for providing his needs. He said that's what carried him through later in life as a missionary. Knowing that God provides, but you have to have faith in Him to do what's right. 
You've been listening to the preaching of Pastor Ramirez of Central Baptist Church of Little Rock, Arkansas. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you would like more information about Pastor Ramirez or Central Baptist Church, please visit our website, centralbaptistchurch.org. Thank you for listening today. Be sure to join us again for another message from God's Word.